What's up, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the All American Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carr, bringing you guys an episode talking about the latest updates around the NFL and the MLB offseason coming up next. So as I mentioned today, uh, talking about the MLB offseason free agency, specifically with probably the most controversial team right now in baseball, my hometown team, the Boston Red Sox. Uh, alongside with the NFL, we've had a uh, an eventful last you know week or so, uh, to say the least, in the NFL. Uh, mainly Baker Mayfield. That has been the latest storyline. We're getting ready for another week, week fourteen on Sunday. Uh, we've already kicked it off though with a phenomenal story. Uh, obviously, Baker Mayfield being waived by the Panthers. Only team to put in a claim for him was the very, very struggling, surprisingly, uh, Los Angeles Rams. We'll talk about that and how he played his latest game on Thursday versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, to start out with the Red Sox, it is not hard. Uh, it is or it is not easy to watch the demise, really, of any team, especially your own in any sport. I mean, unless it's a rival. Like, if I saw... The New York Yankees kind of fall to pieces. It's still sad to see. I mean, they had built a culture there and everything. And the Red Sox, for me, their foundational pieces a few years ago was mainly in their outfield. You could see the chemistry. They got together every game and at a celebration or something, every game they won at least. Uh, Ben Attendi, Jackie Bradley, and Mookie Betts. You know, you had guys like David Ortiz, obviously, Dustin Pedroia there. Those times kind of shifted. It seemed like the young and up-and-coming risers were, you know, that outfield trio. Um, A lot of guys, too, but mainly that outfield trio. And now, with Heim Blumen, I, I thought it was a good move, talented general manager. But I thought in a bigger market team, when, when Heim Bloom is shifting from Tampa Bay to Boston... He would be apt to spend more money, and he did. He started off actually phenomenal. I love the moves to go out and get Hunter Renfro. That paid off. Um, I love the move to go get Kyle Schwarber, really make a push for a playoffs. I went to one of those games in Fenway Park. It was electric. I loved seeing that team go into a deep playoff run. Now, he didn't come out on top. We didn't make it to the World Series. Made it close, but that's okay. It seemed like we would you know, reload for another year, have a few chances at it. Last year, as a Red Sox fan, was an embarrassment. And you can say that we are spoiled in Boston, and that is fair. But when you have the third biggest market in all of baseball behind New York and L.A., there should not be any bridge years or any rebuilding years at all. I don't care if you have a general manager coming over from Tampa Bay. It is not acceptable. And frankly, as fans and as players, as devoted people to the game of baseball and to the Boston Red Sox, we deserve at least a winning team, somewhat of a winning team. Last year was a disgrace. Yes, there was injuries. There was unprecedented situations like Chris Sale falling off a bike. But what Bloom has done has torn this roster apart and did the exact opposite of building a winning team. He wants to install a rebuilding culture, one that will uh, build up the farm system and work the youth up from there. He wants an infusion of youth to a team that was clearly built for a championship a few years ago. I never understood the Mookie Betts trade. Still don't understand it today. Yes, you could say we got some 
I guess, payoff pieces a little bit in Alex Verdugo, Connor Wong, but it is not amounting to much. And for Mookie Betts, that was a laughable trade looking back at it today. And even then, too, it seemed laughable. It's not aged any better. And especially the one I have a problem with mainly, I know we obviously could reshine a guy like Kyle Schwarber. A lot of fans were uh, frankly pissed to see that because he went out and excelled uh, with the Phillies who are now looking to be World Series favorites next year. Um, but they made it to the World Series this past year and of course lost, um, but still put up a great fight versus uh, really a dynasty in Houston Astros. But my main problem to get back on topic is the Hunter Renfro trade. Visiting that, it was you know about a year ago, and I never understood it. It was at a weird time in the offseason, thought it might be a lockout, whatever. But to trade Hunter Renfro at that time, the best defensive outfielder in baseball with his arm. Yes, he's not going to wow you with the diving catch or anything like that, but this guy was phenomenal in right field. He had more outfield assists than some MLB teams, which is crazy to think about. You go out. And you trade him away. You trade him away. I do not understand it at all. And I didn't understand the Mookie Betts trade either because everyone said, well, he wanted out. It was the right time to trade him. Well, now we know he did not want out. There was reports he did not want out. He never had connected with the Red Sox. And, well, there really seemed to be a disconnect between him and their organization. And now Hunter Renfro dealt for Jackie Bradley Jr., which I think Heim Bloom made the move to get Jackie Bradley because he wanted some fan support behind him. Seemed like a small tweak in the outfield. And then my main problem with that deal, he got also another prospect. Doesn't look like that's going to turn out into anything. So basically, the straight-up deal was Hunter Renfro to the Milwaukee Brewers for Jackie Bradley, who Bradley, by the way, I thought would be released. He was batting under the Mendoza line, 200 batting average for those of you who don't know. And had a terrible season. Yes, he was a great defensive outfielder, but you can only do so much with that nowadays because we don't see as much defensive specialists in the game. You have to have two-way players to be successful and to stick around. Well, instead, Jackie did exceed expectations. He improved in nearly every uh, statistical offensive you know, stat you can get. He improved his batting average, OPS, everything. He was still the great same defensive outfielder. And he gets released midseason. So it questions, as to me as a fan, that questions why did you even bring him in? He did everything you could have expected out of him and asked out of him. I, he would have been probably released from the Brewers. And then, of course, he's released from the Red Sox. So he basically just released Hunter Renfro, if you think about it. And I, I don't know what they were thinking. I never knew what the thought process was there. And I understood the thought process, I guess, out of Mookie Betts, trade him before he goes away, but that turned out not to be true. He wanted to be in Boston. That's where his heart was. And the same thing goes for Xander Bogarts. Bogarts, this has always been home. I said it in my MLB free agency predictions. I said I cannot visualize him going anywhere else. Boston has always been home for him. It's where he established himself, established his career. A young kid from Aruba, they signed him early. Brought him in. He's always been successful here. Consistently one of the best shortstops in the league. And I'm not mad that we did not match this Padres offer. That is not what I'm complaining about. Because, frankly, that was kind of ridiculous. You're getting Bogarts, a guy who's already, you know, approaching 30 years old. You lock him up for 11 years. 
and 290 million that off the charts okay the Padres overpaid for him definitely also a no trade clause I'm not mad at that I'm mad at the fact that we did not make an effort to sign him before then we would we could have paid a lot less and got him because he's he loves it he loves Fenway he loves Boston he said that he wanted to play in Boston but now a guy Rafael Devers who are trying to pay next offseason is going to look at that he's going to look at how they treated a franchise player Mookie Betts look at how they treated a franchise player Xander Bogarts. And he's going to say, well, I'm the franchise guy now. They haven't treated the last two guys well at all. They traded one away. They didn't even have any connect with Bogarts. They gave him a laughable offer, I guess, uh, at the last second. But really, it was a last-ditch offer. Didn't really want to re-sign him. And now I'm worried that we're going to lose Devers. And I could not blame him one bit if he does walk away from the Red Sox. Lock him up soon. Pay him whatever he wants. He is the key to this franchise moving forward. People are going to want to play with this guy. He's a phenomenal hitter. You know, unless he goes out there at the start of the season and absolutely turns out to be a different player, you're giving Rafael Devers near $300 million probably. He is phenomenal. He's a franchise player. Every, no questions about him. Uh, but now I, I mean, you overpaid for Trevor story last season, massively overpaid for Trevor story. Um, I think they massively overpaid for Masataka. I cannot remember his last name, to be honest. I will get that down. Um, but the Japanese free agent, he was the number one coveted free agent out of Japan, but it wasn't a year where we had Otani or say Suzuki even last season. We're going to give a guy a bunch of money. This guy was projected to get a $30 to $40 million deal. And the Red Sox, yeah, they might have slightly overpaid him. Nope, they uh, instead doubled that and then some. Gave him $90 million over five years for a guy who's already 29. He's only five foot eight and is not good in the outfield from what I'm hearing defensively. He could be a stud. I just, the, the, why are you signing him for so much more than what he's worth and what other teams would have given him? They probably outbid the next best team by like 20 or $30 million at the very least. Which question, I mean, why are you spending money on that and not on Xander Bogarts, not on Mookie Bet, not on so many other needs in this team? I can go on all day about the Red Sox, but I just, I just simply cannot figure out how I'm Bloom. I don't understand what he's trying to do because now you bring in an old reliever like Kenley Jansen, who I actually, I, I like the signing, but you gave him too much money once again. Uh, with the new rules, I don't know. I mean, this guy's out of the sh- out of shape. He's one of the slowest workers in baseball. That's kind of been his claim to fame. He's just, he takes his time in the mound. Pitch clock's coming this year. I have questions about him. Uh, but this bullpen is a mess. I'll take whatever we can get. I like the signing of Chris Martin. That was the one really, really solid thing I think we did this offseason. Uh, Chris Martin coming over from the LA Dodgers. Phenomenal pitcher. Got him for cheap and early on in the offseason. And, you know, there are moves like that where I'm like, Heim Bloom, good job. I talked about it, you know, two years ago when he made the move to get Renfro, brought in Kyle Schwarber. Uh, and honestly, trading Bobby Dahlbeck now, I love Bobby Dahlbeck, but I actually think this is probably a good move if Heim Bloom does uh, pull through on this. Bobby Dahlbeck is reportedly on the trade block. The Rays seem interested from what I've heard. Um, and I, listen, I'm not saying fire Heim Bloom now. 
Because obviously we knew it was probably going to take some time. But it's been too long. This is an impatient. And forgive me. I mean, I am a part of this because I've lived in Boston. But we are used to winning. We have a big market. We deserve to be winning with all that money we can spend. Um, and I, it's not necessarily just time bloom because now that I talk about the money spending, who is really doing that? It's the owners. And the ownership group seems to be intertwined with a lot of different teams. They were reportedly selling Liverpool, uh, their, their Premier League team, um, for soccer. And I got really excited, and then it turns out they're only selling a share of Liverpool. And uh, they used that money to buy uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. So it seems like... We might be getting uh, some guys in Liverpool instead of paying Rafael Devers, which I think is unfair because, really, the Red Sox, a storied franchise, the most championships, or uh, not the most championships, but a storied franchise. I was uh, thinking of the Yankees. They're our rivals. But either way, I mean, this is a storied franchise. We've won. This team should always be at the top of the pile. And we finished last in the AL East last year. And I question the ownership group. I question I'm Bloom. I am just fed up as a Red Sox fan. And I know a lot of other guys, too. I watch Felger and Maz on um, NBC Sports Boston uh, most days after school. And, I, I, I mean, I love it. it. It is a great show. You know, you see ESPN doing all these rankings and stuff. Meanwhile, Felger and Maz are talking about, I, I kid you not, this was on the other day, the top 10 biggest tool bags in the NFL, they're basically just saying, oh, this guy's... But I love him. I love Mike Felger. I love, love Tony Maserati. I think it's a great show. Um, and they were they were talking about... You know, they get calls, obviously, every day from the the Boston guys, Boston accent, and it, it's hilarious. But they're all basically saying, oh, I'm not watching the Red Sox this season. They are driving me crazy. I And I don't blame them. I mean, I, you know, especially for older people who don't really know much about, you know, this time Bloom guy and what he's brought to Tampa Bay. I mean, I'll give him time. I'll give him another year because it doesn't make sense to fire him right now in the middle of the offseason. But the Red Sox, they have been prone to fire general managers midway through the season. We saw it with Ben Sherrington. We saw it with David Dabrowski, who's now finding success in Philadelphia. Um, but they are not afraid to make a move. And I think Heim Bloom, the clock is ticking. Time will tell on these moves. And listen, we're not fully through the offseason yet. This team is incomplete for sure. Uh, but there are a lot of holes in our roster. It sounds like Emmanuel Valdez was in serious consideration um, to start in the infield this year, which I think is is blasphemy. I mean, this guy, talented for sure, and I would love him on the opening day roster, but really starting in the infield on a team that should be World Series or bust every single year because of our situation. I mean, a team like Cleveland should never be ahead of us. I, maybe Cleveland's an exception, but the small market team still, I, I just, I don't understand it. Um, and if, if you don't know who Manuel Valdez is, he is the guy we got in the Vasquez trade. Vasquez is another guy too. I, I was going to bring him up. I mean, he completely, completely mistreated him. That was not fair. You trade him. By the way, they're playing the Astros that day of the trade deadline. You trade him to the Astros that day He's on the opposite side of the dugout in the game, crying. And on the, I mean, that is not the way you treat a guy who's been in Boston his whole career. Christian Rat Vasquez is a Red Sox. He bleeds Boston, and I refuse to believe anything else. He's going to find a new team this offseason. He's going to get money. I'm happy for him, and I can't be mad at him. I mean, what did he do? He got traded. <coughs> so, excuse me, but... I don't know. I, I can't understand the moves. And obviously, this season, I'm excited to watch the Red Sox. I am every year. 
And I'm even more excited now because now I get to see what this new infusion of different players is doing. And it seems to be a new scheme, um, new everything. And I don't know. I can't wait to see how this change plans out. But uh, I'm also, my expectations are very, very tempered for this team. Uh, for sure. And my, my temper and my patience are very, very short. Um, as are a lot of Red Sox fans, I know. Um, but... Yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I think this this rotation, starting rotation, is the biggest question right now. I, we've spent money everywhere else. The starting rotation is a complete mess. I mean, we have guys like Nick Pavetta, and you know Chris Sale. You can't even count. And by the way, people are forgetting Nathan Eovaldi's a free agent. There's no chance we're gonna pay him. I mean, I love Nasty Nate, but even on a good team, you know, he if we did re-sign him, he would be our ace on a good championship-winning team. He should be a two or three at the very best. Instead, our two and three are basically Garrett Whitlock, who should be our go-to guy to the bullpen. Garrett Whitlock is not a starting pitcher, but they refuse to accept that. And Nick Pavetta, who at the is the definition of inconsistency. I mean, I, I don't know. And then yeah, yeah, Brian Balo, uh, who seems to be you know have potential, but at best on a championship level team, he should be your fifth starter who you really can't count on on the given day, but he's going to eat some innings for you. Um, I don't know. The bullpen doesn't look great. You know, everybody is loving, you know, the offense and everything like that, you know. But pitching, I mean, that's the one of the – that's that's the foundational part of the game too. And, and we are – you know, look at the guys in, the, in our bullpen and on the roster. It's laughable. It is laughable. And I don't know. I can't wait – once again, I can't wait to see the Red Sox. can't wait to see what they do, but – as a fan, I'm always going to root for this team no matter what. It has just become harder over the years, for sure. And I don't understand these moves, but I'm going to put my faith and trust in Heim Bloom for at least another season until he uh, really proves me otherwise and forces me to believe in him for the long term. Uh, because I think he can. He has the potential to be a great general manager. We saw what he's done, flipped a team into Tampa Bay, in Tampa Bay into a World Series contender. Let's see if he can do it again. It's a tough division. We, it's only getting tougher, as we saw Aaron Judge re-signing with the Yankees for another nine years. Got to face him. Phew, it's going to be tough. But, uh, but yeah. <coughs> so next, I'm going to talk about Baker Mayfield. And, wow, what a story. Now, to start, I think it is being a little bit blown out of proportion. Uh, so the, the reports, all the headlines saying Baker Mayfield anchors the Rams on a 98-yard drive to win the game. I wonder, I, I did not calculate or do the math, and I probably should have, but I wonder how much yards he actually drove the football because he got bailed out by penalties in that game, and the Raiders played terrible. I've gone back and forth on them all season. In my, in my latest post, I was ready to put them in the Chargers in the playoff caliber tier for the NFL uh, power rankings and, the, and separating the teams into tiers. But they proved me wrong once again. I love Josh McDaniels. I love this team. You just can never count on them. Um, you cannot lose to a team like the Rams. I don't care who is starting at quarterback. Anyone who learns the playbook 24 to 48 hours before the game should never be in anywhere close, anywhere in the same arena as you in terms of the outcome of the game. I mean, they won, for Christ's sake. Like, that was... That was crazy to me. It was a great story, though. As a fan, you love to see it. I mean, Baker Mayfield, not the biggest fan of him. I think 
He just does not seem like a, I mean, but you know what? In this situation, forget his personality, forget his past actions. Uh, he's a guy you want to root for because of that situation. He was the, the number three quarterback in Carolina, named that this week, asked for a release, uh, and left Carolina, goes to LA, hops on a flight. The only team that submitted a claim for him, which was pretty surprising, by the way, uh, gets him because they're struggling and at the top of the waiver priority list. Um, he comes in, he starts for a desperate team with a major hole at quarterback. And by the way, it's not like he had any pieces around him. That run game is not good. The offensive line isn't good. And his top wide receiving threat was Ben Skoranek, a rookie at a Notre Dame. And he actually had a great game. And Baker Mayfield threw him ball. But Baker Mayfield looked pretty good. I will say, he did look pretty good. He looked a little lost on some plays. And it was very, you know, it was an up and down game for him. Um, they had some turnovers, but he he looked pretty good throwing the football. And I think it, it's a great opportunity uh, for him to really resurrect his career. He's got a shot, um, you know, for four or five games. And this will this will look good for him because he's in a great offense, uh, offensive scheme, I should say. But you you know, teams are going to look next year for agency and be like, well, he didn't have anyone around him, and he's going to play probably pretty well no matter what because teams really i know they've seen mayfield but they haven't seen him in this offense they're not gonna have a lot of film and it's gonna be tough to figure him out maybe after two or three games he'll start to slow down but you only have four or five games left in the regular season i think it's yeah four um maybe even three i not sure but either way i mean I don't know. I think it's a good opportunity. The Rams took a chance on him. Why not? I mean, John Wolford was your starting quarterback. They gave Bryce Perkins an opportunity. That didn't work out. Um, but I love it. I love that story of Baker Mayfield. It's a feel good story. I love watching the end of that game. That was phenomenal. Um, and great to see. But as a Raiders fan, you got, I mean, that just completely diminished your uh, your playoff, any shot at a playoff chance. Um, and that is the end of the Raiders season. And what a way to lose. I mean, you cannot lose to Baker Mayfield, who just figured out the playbook. You cannot lose to Jeff Saturday, who also just finished uh, learning his playbook like a, two or three days before their game a few weeks ago. They lost to the Colts, who just hired a new head coach, and they lost to the Rams, who just got a new quarterback like a few days before the game. It was a quick t- And, of course, it was a Thursday night game, too. I mean, if it was Sunday, you give him basically a week to learn the playbook. Instead, it's Thursday. He's got like two days. Uh, but that was crazy. For those of you who don't know, it was a 98-yard drive. Yes, there were some penalties that are controversial, I know, but Derek Carr should never have put them in that spot in the first place. He threw a lousy interception in the end zone, one that just should not have been thrown up for grabs. Um, And he had turnovers. Like, even at the end of the game, they had one final chance with a few seconds left, throws an interception to Taylor Rapp. Um, (coughs) But Baker Mayfield got the ball. They were down by 13 for a while. And uh, they ended up winning 17-16. And it all came down, I mean, yeah, to that interception by Derek Carr. Um, but Josh McDaniels and that, that Raiders team, it's going to be interesting. I'm sure it was an interesting ride home. Um, it's going to be interesting the next couple of weeks to see if they have really any fight left in them. Because I know Derek Carr, we saw that interview a few weeks ago. He is over it. He's fed up. He's probably going to be on a new team next season. Um, but... I don't know that him and him and Devonte Adams connection really went to waste. Uh, in by the way, a year where their division was supposed to be really good and wasn't at all. So besides the Chiefs, I mean, they should no excuses should win those other games against the Chargers at least split versus the Chargers and uh, beat the Broncos, who are laughable. Uh, but anyways, 
It was a great episode, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, I will definitely continue as we get more updates with the NFL season and the MLB offseason. Also, uh, some NBA stuff and college football playoff predictions. That is uh, coming up soon. Uh, but for now, I will see you guys next time, and peace. So going back to my latest update on the MLB free agency and offseason, and uh, specifically talking about my hometown team, the Boston Red Sox, um, this is a deeper dive in for people who want to listen, but I can confidently say right now that the Red Sox are probably the worst team in the American League East. I will say, at least they're set up to be. And I'll start with pitching because everyone's been focused on so, so much on what they're going to do in offense. I get it. The sport of baseball is more offense oriented, even though pitchers have ruled the game for the last year or so. Um, it was the lowest scoring year of baseball we've had in a while, but everyone is always, you know, home runs, RBIs, the offensive stars rule the game. Um, but pitching is an underrated aspect. When you look at the Red Sox, everybody's focused on the key pieces like Devers and Xander Bogarts. But the starting rotation is my biggest knock on this team. There's question marks all around the diamond when you look at it, but the starting rotation is not a lot to be excited about. I mean, I'll start off. You cannot have confidence in a single guy in this rotation. When you don't have confidence in any single guy, that is obviously a problem and one that needs to be addressed in this offseason. Um, we'll start from the top down. Nathan Eovaldi, who was the ace last year. And Eovaldi's great. I love Nasty Nate, but he's a great complimentary guy. At best on the championship team, I mentioned he should probably be a, a second or third starter. I love his personality. I love his feistiness. He is an Aston 8, but the Red Sox seems to be a disconnect between him and that front office. I have not heard anything about a re-signing, and I don't plan or think he will re-sign with the team, and I get it. He's frustrated. He has really no help in that rotation around him, and the bullpen was completely depleted last season, um, so I don't blame Ivaldi for being upset with this franchise. He's getting towards the older stages of his career, and I think he's probably going to find a better deal elsewhere and better situation elsewhere. Um, so I, I can't even count him. And then second, I mean, Chris Sale, who knows? Him and James Paxton soon, because a lot of people forget about James Paxton, but it sounds like he is going to be on the team next year with his option, uh, player option. So him and Chris Sale, after what has transpired over the past year, especially with Sale and all those injuries, He's a major question mark. Um, you do not know how he's going to produce. And the water on both of them is very, very murky and unclear of what they're going to be next season. Um, they both have had great careers, but they're both in uh, very late stages, even later than Evaldi. Getting out there in age signals a lot more injury. Both of them has ha have had Tommy John recently. Chris Sale fell off a bike. I mean, I, like what is going on there? Um, but him and, uh, Paxton, you cannot be, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have any sense of confidence at all on either of them. I mean, they are complete toss-ups, um, as, as your starting rotation guys. And then, I mean, you got Nick Pavetta, who I mentioned is really the definition of inconsistency. Uh, at best, Pavetta is going to be a fifth starter who eats some innings. Um, but you never really know. I mean, he can be... But even then, Pavetta is a four or five guy in a championship level team, which is what we should be. The Red Sox should be a World Series or bust team every single year. Um, but Pavetta cannot rely on 
Um, and then Brian Bale. I mean, I'm excited about the kid. He, he, he could be awesome, but he should be your fifth guy. He should be the, you know, kind of boomer bust guy who you don't really know what you're going to get. But he's young. He has potential. He could be great. I just don't think it's going to be next year. Um, I, I don't think that Bayo, he just seems nervous. He see, he does not seem confident in the mound. I hope he finds that next year. I hope he's great. I mean, all these guys could totally surprise me, but it'd be, it'd be, a, it's very unlikely that all of them coincidentally have phenomenal seasons coming off all these question marks. Bayo has the tools to be great, but he's just young. I think it's going to be a developmental year for him and probably the rest of the staff. So major changes and major strides need to be made in order to improve that rotation. If it was up to me, I'd tear it down and go for a completely new look this offseason. Um, but it seems like you know a lot of the guys have been taken off the market. The Red Sox, once again, are um, you know negligent to spending a lot of money in free agency for some reason. Um, so yeah, the bullpen is the one spot where I'm actually... Uh, optimistic for and as I mentioned I mean Garrett Whitlock should not be a starter I guess you could you know have him in that starting rotation conversation Uh, but Garrett Whitlock time and time again has proven he is more efficient and more consistent he's overall a better pitcher and it puts the team in a better spot to win when he is in the bullpen coming in relief and I think he should be the go-to reliever you go to in any close situation you know, no matter what inning. And he can, by the way, he can pitch for multiple innings. But as a starter, just not where he should be. Should not be in that starting rotation. That is a complete force by Alex Cora and Heim Bloom to throw him in that starting rotation. I get it. You're depleted and you don't have the necessary pieces to build a sufficient five-man rotation. But putting Garrett Whitlock in there completely takes away from the strength of your team which is your bullpen. And I'm fine with being a bullpen team, but you got to get somewhat, you know, some sort of efficiency out of your starting rotation to be able to rely on your bullpen and come out with successful outcomes defensively. Um, So Garrett Whitlock is much better off in the bullpen, in my opinion. I think that is where they should utilize him. Uh, Tanner Houck is kind of up in the air. He started off as a starting pitcher, and I'm okay with him being your fourth or fifth starter. I guess that's okay. But once again, I thought he was better out of the bullpen. He's not a great pitcher by any means. I think he has some great pitches and some great flashes once in a while being a great pitcher. But like some of that, those other guys like Bayo and Pavetta, he hasn't quite put it together um, and come together and really had a lot of great games, string of great games in a row. So I think Halk is a piece... They probably work in, uh, I mean, they're going to have to probably work him in the rotation unless I see a lot of signings made or call-ups or something. But I, I'd rather him in the bullpen as, you know, kind of a guy. You build up his confidence in the bullpen and then move him into the starting rotation if you feel that is the right thing to do and he's ready for that role. Um, but the bullpen has been, should be the strength of the team next year. I'm a little worried, as I mentioned, on Canley Jansen. I like the signing. I just think it was a little bit of an overpay for someone who was old and, you know, really a guy who was going against these new rules. You know, it seemed like they kind of got uh, Masataka, the uh, Japanese outfielder, you know, as a guy who would, would play with the new rules. You know, he's, he's 5'8", he's small, he's going to draw a lot of walks, um, and, you know, a fast guy. He's going to keep the game going. And then he signed Kenley Jansen. It was really the opposite of that. I mean, he is out of shape. 
um, and one, you know, no, notorious for being one of the slowest workers in baseball. He takes his time in between pitches. Completely the opposite of like a guy like Nick Pavetta in the starting rotation, who I love. He has a great rhythm to him, especially when he's on. Um, but I, I, you know, Kenley Jansen should at least be a solid piece. I love the Chris Martin signing. Uh, a plus on that from Hein Bloom, um, in my opinion. And you got a lot of guys coming back. Uh, you know, Josh Taylor should be back off of injury. Darwin's and Hernandez, maybe. Uh, you know what I mean? There's just a lot of guys. Barnes, hopefully, has a reluctant season. But you're still hoping that a lot of those guys put it together. And as a, um, you know, whole, the bullpen puts it together. But I think there's m- much more to be optimistic about than any of the offense or the starting rotation. When you go around time and... Uh, in the offense, we'll start off with the outfield. Uh, before the Masataka signing, it was not looking pretty. Because now it sounds like Masataka will probably play a corner outfield spot. Um, probably left is where he's best. Because he's not he's, he's 5'8", which you'd think would probably you know, give him some wheels. But he's really not great defensively. I have to see more of him. And as of right now, he's probably your DH. But... Let's just say, I mean, he's he's in the mix for maybe an outfield spot once in a while. Um, but, you know, aside from that, you have Verdugo in one of the corner outfield spots. Obviously, Verdugo has been, a, you know, a great player. I like him. Um, he has a, a different way of hitting about him, but I, I actually like his fundamentals. And I think he's a very, very solid all-around outfielder. He is something to be excited about. Besides that, though, you have two spots that are up in the air. Kike, I guess you can count. Maybe we'll see him in center. Maybe we will not uh, because now you have a lot of holes in the infield. Um, but aside from that, I don't want to see Arroyo out there at least every day. Um, Arroyo's a guy maybe you can fix you know, into an outfield. Or, but he had some simple mistakes last year. Like He couldn't read some balls. He didn't really know where to play sometimes. I think he's better as kind of a rotational piece in the infield that can kind of come on the bench, come off the bench and – play hopefully everywhere hopefully he can mix into some of the outfield spots but uh, at least not center center field is still a question mark maybe you'll have Kike out there Verdugo and then Masataka Um, but still that's not a great defensive outfield in my opinion because I think Kike uh, is great in center field but he's a true second baseman Um, Verdugo is great in either corner outfield spots that is your one foundational guy you can put in there and then Tommy Pham this might be controversial, but I don't think his on-the-field performance completely offsets his off-the-field performance because from what I've heard, I mean, and you can kind of tell, this guy is completely disconnected from the rest of his team. He came in last season, and he, he plays, you know, completely pissed off. You can see it. They'll zoom in on him in the dugout. He just doesn't seem like – he just seems like a cancer in the locker room. And it's not really that he seems that way. I know I'm saying it, but, I mean, there was evidence. Like, last year, he slapped Jock Peterson in the face over a fantasy football event. He told the Reds that he was just playing there for numbers. Uh, you know what I mean? Unless this guy is, like, a great 300 hitter and can hit home runs. Like, he's batting 240. He's mediocre. He's old, by the way. I don't think we need to re-sign him. I'd rather um, find a better option elsewhere. And you can pay a guy for cheap and free agency instead of Tommy Pham. Um to be frank, he, he just does not seem like a guy I want to have, I want to root for on that team. And it's not like he is that special of a player where you can completely set that aside. He just, you know, he brings the team down um, and 
from what I've heard, he seems like, yeah, not a guy you want to have in that Red Sox locker room. Um, not positive anyway. So, um, yeah. And then the, the infield is where you really have some question marks. Third base, your franchise player, Rafael Devers. I mean, hopefully we can pay him. That is my optimism. Um, uh, he's a free agent next season. I talked about that enough already, though. Um, and then, you know, your shortstop now, you have a major hole and a question mark there with the departure of Xander Bogarts. Um, so really don't know how that's going to go because you don't want to throw Kike or Arroyo there every day at least. Uh, we'll likely see a signing, and it probably won't be you know a guy like Swanson or Correa, even though I would like it to be. Um, I imagine it's you know maybe through a trade or a smaller uh, free agency deal at the end, maybe or um, you know the most likely outcome is that Trevor Story moves over to that shortstop's position, um, which would make the most sense. He's played there. Uh, I thought he was a lot better. I know a lot of people think the opposite, but I thought he was a lot better um, defensively as a second baseman last season. But offensively, Story, uh, he's been a he's been storied as a great offensive player, but he's hitting those balls out of course field, and he's gotten older. I think he was a massive overpay last offseason. Um, and you know, I, I think that'd be that'd be a, a solid replacement, I guess, for Bogarts. But you gotta hope that he stays on the field, stays healthy, and um, can somewhat resurrect his hitting. Uh, second base now, I mean, then you, you know it's up to you. You got you can put Kike out in center or second. But I think Kike is probably an everyday player, and maybe you move him around. Maybe it's a combination of both. He's versatile. He's built uh, for this game. Great contact hitter. And if Kike is my everyday starting second baseman, I'm okay with that. I think he, the Red Sox made a nice decision to re-sign him at the end of last year. Um, but that's up in the air where he's going to play. And wherever he does play, there's a hole in the other position. So the Red Sox do need to make a signing there. Because I don't want to see Arroyo every day. I mentioned that. He's a great guy off the bench. I just don't think he's good enough, especially in a championship-level team, to be an everyday player. Um, just because of, you know, he's not a great defensive guy at all. Really, anywhere he plays, you know, he can he can make the simple plays, but he won't make a lot of great ones. So, I don't know. And I mean, I, I guess if you really do want to, like Duran, maybe in the outfield. I I don't know. That's a question mark. But I Duran is similar to Kika. I wouldn't want him starting on my team in the championship level team. We saw in that Toronto Blue Jays game. I kind of forgave him for that major error. That was when we got absolutely obliterated. But Duran gave up on the ball in center field. He clearly I, – I thought he didn't see the home run ball at first. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's there's a video of it. It went viral everywhere. But he was – there was a ball in center field that went over his head, and he just gave up on it. But he clearly saw that. He gave up. Duran's inconsistencies in the outfield are unforgivable. I mean, this is a guy who can start the season off at AAA, and I'd have no problem with it. Um, but – Duran should probably not be starting. I mean, I, I would hope that he'd be coming off the bench and he'd find a better guy. Um, and then at first, uh, Casas and Dahlbeck, but it sounds like it's going to be Casas uh, just with Bobby Dahlbeck being traded. And I love Bobby Dahlbeck. I've met him personally. Um, I know him from the Cape Cod League. He was actually my camp counselor, interesting enough. Um, he's a great guy. I love him, but... It's probably the right move for the Red Sox to move on from. I think he can find a better situation. It's just he's too much of a home run, strikeout, traditional guy. 
Um, and this is not what the Red Sox need. The Red Sox need some action. They need movement. That's what the sport of baseball is moving to. Um, like I mentioned, you know, Masataka, a guy who can, you know, be fast, move around, you know, draw some walks. Bobby Talbeck never draws walks. And, you know, be a contact hitter. Uh, the ba- game of baseball doesn't seem, you know, a lot of traditional guys anymore. It's always evolving. You're going to have a lot more contact hitters. Like Jeff McNeil is a perfect example. Um, and, uh, you know, Dahlbeck can find a spot elsewhere. But especially last season when they called up Casas and threw him down in, uh, in AAA, uh, optioned him down. It seemed like there was a real disconnect between him and the front office. And they had just had enough. He, he took a steep fall off from year one to year two. Um, and I think he'd be in a better situation elsewhere. I wouldn't mind if Bobby were on the team, but he should not be an everyday player. Um, maybe, maybe throw him in to hit against lefties because that's who he seems to crush from the right side of the plate um, and have Casas bat against the uh, righties as a left-handed batter. Maybe that would work out. Um, but even so, I mean, Casas not a sure thing. We saw – I have high expectations for him. I think he's a great piece. Um but still kind of a question mark. And then the catcher position, obviously that's a major hole. You got to fill that somehow. We had a mess uh, to the end of the season last year, a bunch of different guys coming in, but I can't really feel confident in any of them, uh, to be honest. I think we are better off finding a better option for the agency. And with all that being said, you can see my uh, skepticism with this team. You know, there's a lot of question marks. I don't feel confident about a lot of parts. And that is why the Boston Red Sox are overall, uh, as of right now, set up to be the worst team in the American League East. Yes, even behind the Baltimore Orioles, who they finished behind last year. There's too much talent the rest of the division, and all those teams seem to be trending in the right direction. Meanwhile, the Red Sox, I can't say uh, much of the same. They are headed in the opposite direction, for sure.